Close your eyes for a moment and picture a port. Imagine the colorful cranes, the shipping containers, and the vast yards along the shore, where the glimmering blue ocean meets the land. Sounds kind of romantic, doesn't it? But a port actually reaches well beyond the coast, creating a complex confluence of multiple modes of transportation. And of course, all those trucks, trains, and ships need space. Space to move, to load and unload, and sometimes to even wait their turn. Shipping of containers and bulk products at the Port of Vancouver has gone up 3-4% to 4% per year since 2015. Despite recent disruptions caused by COVID, the long-term forecast remains optimistic, as you'll hear a little later on. While any growth is great news for operators, shipping lines, stores, and ultimately consumers, it can lead to a huge problem for the port, land. After all, how can you continue to expand when there's literally no room left to do so? Welcome back to Breaking Bottlenecks, a brand new Insiders podcast series brought to you by the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority. I'm your host, writer and historian Aaron Chapman. On this episode, we tackle a predicament for ports and their partners right around the world, finding room to grow. The big question for the industry? As shipping increases and available land dwindles, how do you keep growing without running into bottlenecks? Here in Vancouver, analysts and insiders are calling the current shortage of industrial land critical. On the North Shore, there, as you know, there's a lack of industrial land for development. There's a lack of municipal land for residential development and also a lack of land for terminal capacity development. Industrial rents have hit record highs in recent years, with brokerage firm CBRE Limited telling Bloomberg News that the city could potentially, literally, run right out of industrial land by the early 2020s. Then what? To start unpacking this problem, I sought out the president of the largest and most diversified stevedoring and terminal operator in British Columbia, Brad Eshelman from Western Stevedoring, which is located on the north shore of Burrard Inlet in the port of Vancouver. Brad, you were involved in the G3 terminal project, a perfect example of how to make port land more efficient and profitable by, by rethinking and repurposing existing space. I know it took place at the Lindstrom terminal, but what did the changeover involve? And, what were the business needs behind it? Oh, this started probably over 10 years ago. These uh, big projects like this take, a, take a lot of time and effort, Aaron. And when we first looked at the Eastgate Linterm project, we were taking a look at what kind of land was available in the Lower Mainland, and specifically terminal land to support the exports from Canada and the Gateway. That particular piece of property was one of the last terminals available to be developed in the Lower Mainland as a brownfield site. And so what we did is looked at what kind of cargo opportunities were out there and what was the real need for the exports of Canada. And with that, we ended up doing a joint venture with G3 to develop a grain terminal there, which is the grain has increased on export significantly over the last number of years. And there was a, a pretty significant need for new grain capacity in the Western Trade Corridor. Adding that capacity, however, was no simple feat. As Brad told me, there were several parties involved in the process, including the Port Authority, a private construction firm, and local Indigenous groups, which made things a little complicated. There was a number of factors in, in trying to look at how we did both projects. And it, it, there's quite a story to it. What we ended up doing is entering into a three-way agreement between Vancouver Fraser Port Authority, Darwin Construction, and ourselves to expand our terminal. So Darwin Construction partnered up with the Tsleil-Waututh 
in acquiring a number of industrial properties beside our terminal. And then what happened, once those properties were acquired, there was a land swap between the Port of Vancouver and Darwin. So what the win-win happened is the community got, and Darwin and Tsleil-Waututh got 40 acres of land on the North Shore to develop into a needed industrial land and residential lands. The port and ourselves got an expansion of our, of our terminal here at Linterm, and also the ability to develop the G3 grain terminal. On the municipal side, the District of North Vancouver was also involved in this in assisting with respect to providing road closures and expansion of our lands also. So the district also and municipality was benefiting from increased taxation. We got increased land to handle cargo for our customers. Jobs were created for the longshore and truckers and the railways. And also, you know, the Western Trade Corridor benefits of increased capacity, both with respect to the grain that's going to be handled through G3 and also the ability to handle steel and project cargoes through our Linterm break bulk facility. It is a win-win all the way around. So what would be your advice to any other companies dealing with a shortage of space? Oh, diff- difficult question, Aaron. You know, the, 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 you know that the problem with that is exactly what you said. There's a shortage of space. What is happening, I can talk specifically to the North Shore terminals. All of the North Shore terminals are doing whatever they can to increase capacity on the land they have right now. And so they're putting in dollars with respect to storage systems, handling systems, new technologies, new innovation to be able to handle more cargo on the site they have. Because quite simply, there isn't any more land area to expand onto especially on the North Shore, but also you take that through the Lower Mainland. There's just no large sites available for increased expansion. So it, it makes it very difficult with respect to, you know, the gateway and, and industrial land in the, uh, in the Lower Mainland, specifically off-dock land also. The G3 project is actually the first new grain terminal built in Canada since the 1960s. It proves how great planning can help repurpose existing port lands for new commodities to everyone's benefit, including local First Nations. The project is nearing completion, with the terminal expected to become operational later this year. Finding new space to store and process product is one thing, but it's just as important to keep goods flowing in and out efficiently, and that's no easy feat when land is limited, especially in cities like Vancouver, which is of course sandwiched between the ocean and the mountains. It requires rethinking and reshaping operations in real time without interrupting the flow of goods. Basically, you know, the analogy is building the plane while you're flying it. To learn more about how the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority works with its partners to increase capacity despite dwindling industrial land, I sat down with the VFPA's Director of Infrastructure, Devin Fitch. Devin, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Great to be here. Well, Devin, I want to talk about Vancouver's South Shore, which stretches along Burrard Inlet from the edge of the historic Gastown neighborhood to the Hastings Sunrise area, about three kilometers east. Now, these lands feature several terminals, the Canadian Pacific Railway Corridor that connects to the rest of the country and access roads for truck traffic. But it's also a thriving residential and commercial area. There are families, shops, cyclists, and even, uh, so I'm told, I've never been to them myself, of course, a bunch of breweries that have even popped up in the last few years. So how have you been able to increase capacity when free land is so hard to come by? Well, it's, it's a question of doing, doing more with what, what you have. A couple of things that we, that we look at you know, in terms of the, the land use and, and 
working with our operator colleagues to get more productive use out of the out of the land and the terminals that they they operate. Well, I think the the greatest example of how we can successfully work together to to tackle that issue would be the the Centum expansion project. Um, it's it's one where working with with DP World, we're expanding that terminal site by 15% in a land area basis, but through reconfigurations of their operations, we're going to deliver on a 50% increase in in capacity. So it's that it's that more juice from from the lemon type analogy, and and really to the benefit of both uh, DP World, but but the gateway as a whole, and and Canada as a nation. Uh, concurrently with that, we're also looking at the the road network and the rail network immediately adjacent to it, and for those that know the project well, we're we're planning on removing the Heatley overpass and building a, a new overpass on Centennial Road and uh, investing in waterfront roads so we get a solid connection from Canada Place all the way out to the highway, removing some sort of at-grade crossings of the of the rail lead tracks as well at the same time, which allows us to get you know trucks in and out of out of the South Shore more efficiently and uh, rail movements uh, to and from the various terminal facilities, not just Centum, in a more efficient way. So all of that working together. Um, synergistically, it builds on, on on itself and allows us to realize some much-needed capacity improvements to keep to keep us competitive in the gateway. Those improvements will allow for a huge increase in shipping, to the tune of 800,000 TEUs or 20-foot equivalent units, a measure roughly based on the volume of a standard 20-foot long intermodal container. As Devin told me, there's no reason to think that upward trend won't continue post-COVID. Historically, we we've seen you know of the order of about a three and a half percent per year increase in in volumes, and uh, if we rewind the tape to about you know four months ago, which feels like a lifetime, but it's not not that long ago now, we were looking at a, a an increase in volume of of goods moving through the gateway from about a 140 million metric tons that we we passed in sort of the 2017 timeframe to just over 200 million metric tons in sort of the 2030 timeframe. So that's about a 50% increase, if my if my math is uh, <laughs> holding true, um, over that time period, about 15 years. So how do you work collaboratively to come up with solutions that will work for all the stakeholders? Well, really, we're, we, we see each other as, as partners. Um, it's certainly uh, something where neither party on, on their own can move forward and, and address what are Sort of significant pressures on on uh, industrial land uh, in the area. So really, it's it's by working together. What do you think the the port of the future looks like with you know the limited space and encroaching communities and population growth, even in advancements in sustainability? How, how any ideas and where we're headed or what what it might look like? I'd like to think that um, it wouldn't look too dissimilar to to what we have today. I think more of those types of projects where we're working collaboratively with with those municipalities to to invest in that um, first and last last mile figuratively if you will and then mm-hmm. um, more more analytics more data driven decision making I think we we can do a better job we do a good job but I think we can do a better job of of analyzing and 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 collecting data on the movement of of goods trains and and trucks through the region looking at the sort of the, the pinch points and and really targeting investment decisions and dollars where it's going to have the biggest um, the biggest benefit to to all users. Devin isn't the only person at the VFPA with an eye firmly fixed on the future. Just ahead, we'll dig into the port's ambitious plan to keep goods moving, not just next week, next month or next year, but for decades to come. You are listening to Breaking Bottlenecks, a behind-the-scenes look at how collaboration, communication, and innovation 
our driving business at Canada's largest port. I'm your host, Aaron Chapman, and if you like what you're hearing, please don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. As we just learned, it takes creative solutions when industry finds itself right in the middle of an up-and-coming neighborhood, when everyone else is trying to expand as well. And in crazy real estate markets like Vancouver, those trends can be tough to predict. One of the most complex challenges we face is the shortage of industrial land. That's why it's important to have a comprehensive, cohesive framework for growth and development, one that can be updated to keep up with the pace of change. It just so happens the port adopted just such a document back in the fall of 2014. To find out how effective it's been, I reached out to the VFPA's Manager of Development, Teresa Rall. Yeah, so I would say our, our land use plan is very effective. And the land use plan describes our long-term land use policy directions and our commitment to accommodate future trade growth within the region. It contains our overall goals and objectives that we're trying to achieve to support both our customers and our partners and, and our business in general. And there are a lot of customers and partners involved. The land use plan was developed with input from more than 1,000 people representing municipalities, indigenous groups, government agencies, environmental organizations, businesses, industries, and more. It's particularly focused on the future needs of the port's customers, terminals, tenants, and major Canadian exporters and importers. And as Teresa also told me, all those stakeholders continue to get a say every time the plan is updated for the future. You're right. So right now, the land use plan evolves over time. So currently, we review our land use plan every five years. And at the moment, we're reviewing the land use plan as it sits today. So currently, we've been engaging with our port stakeholders, our Indigenous groups and the general public to hear their ideas on how to better protect and intensify the use of our trade-enabling industrial land. So this is something that we do every five years, and it's always changing to meet the needs of our business and our partners' businesses recognizing that some of our lands may be better used for specific things. So we've got some areas that may be better used for uh, terminals versus off-dock logistics, and even some of the areas where we feel that would support our key stakeholders in the region and, and creating environmental pieces of land where Indigenous groups or municipalities may use for parks and for other traditional uses. Teresa also pointed out those lands aren't always located along the water, like most people probably think. So-called off-dock uses like warehousing, logistics, and support operations are scattered throughout the region and need space to grow as well. But I still had one more person to ask about the land use challenge. According to Site Economics Limited, every 100 acres of industrial land that gets developed results in $1.9 billion Canadian in direct and secondary economic benefits. But less than 4% of industrial land in Metro Vancouver is considered suitable for trade-related business. That's why Peter Exotta, the Vice President of Planning and Operations at the VFPA, says the land use issue is so important. In this region and others in major metropolitan areas where uh, you, know, you have a population and, uh, and you know, a growing population and growing economy, 
there is invariably competition for the available and that's available. And that's increasingly a challenge in, in all, in, well, in many ports, but certainly in Vancouver because of the high price of real estate. Uh, we need to be kind of determined to uh, increase the utilization as much as possible of the available land because it's just really hard to find. And if you can find it, it's really expensive to uh, to secure. So that's the other reason why that, uh, you know, that innovation in finding ways to grow is really important. The port is also advocating to put a stop to the rezoning of all industrial land and for a more thoughtful discussion about long-term management and planning. As we've heard over the past 20 minutes, the current land use bottleneck can only be broken through careful collaboration between the Port Authority, its customers, and port stakeholders such as municipalities, railways, and indigenous groups. They must work together so they can protect what's left before it's too late. Join us again for more behind-the-scenes conversations with customers, management, partners, and workers at the port. You can download Breaking Bottlenecks at Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. While you're there, why not hit subscribe so you'll get notified when a new episode comes out. For more information, you can always check out portvancouver.com. I'm Aaron Chapman. Thanks for listening.